HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program was brought to you by VisitNapaValley.com, the official page for travel to the Napa Valley, America's legendary wine, food, arts, and wellness capital. For more information, visit www.VisitNapaValley.com. I'm Erin Fairbanks, host of The Farm Report. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit HeritageRadioNetwork.org for thousands more. Welcome to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer. We're coming to you live from Roberta's Restaurant in Bushwick, Brooklyn. It is Wednesday, February 25th. This is the 54th episode of this series, which is dedicated to behind-the-scenes talents in the hospitality industry. Today, my guest is a wonderful video host and producer, and I will introduce her in a moment. But first, as I do on every show, I will start with my PR tip. Then later, we will have my speed round game, industry news discussion, solo dining experience, and the final question. As the founder of Bayer Public Relations, I'm going to tip the show off with my PR tip of the week. Today's tip is to get social. Don't be afraid to mix work and pleasure. It's okay to have drinks with your clients, dine with your so-and-so competition, and have some laughs with your colleagues. Loosening up a bit in your workplace may lead to friendships and trust beyond expectations, in addition to good times. But remember... It's important to be professional and know your limits, as sloppy drunk is not cool. So be social. That's my tip today. I'm excited, very excited to have my guest here, who is back from South Beach Food and Wine with me. We ran into each other down there. It is Allie Rosen. She is the founder and host of Potluck Video, a site known for its informative, entertaining, and succinct food, drink, and travel videos. Ali's videos are not only on her Potluck website, but on television on NYC Life Channel 25. Plus, they are on sites such as People.com, Edible, and Huffington Post. Ali was recently named one of Forbes 30 Under 30 in Food and Drink, previously created the Daily Meal Video Network, and was a reporter for New York One. So welcome. Thank you so much for having me. It's so exciting to be here. Well, it's exciting. 
it's exciting to have you on the show and I think turn the table a bit because you're <laughs> usually the one asking the questions. Yeah, it's a little nerve-wracking. <laughs> yeah, but we don't have a camera, which you're more used to. That's uh, true. Don't have to worry so much about the hair and makeup here. That is a very lucky break for me, I think. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wanted to see how did you get into this field of doing videos? Yeah, I totally lucked out, actually, um, because my background, I I went to college for international relations. I thought I was going to be a reporter, like I wanted to be Christian Amanpour. I always loved food, but I was like, oh, I don't want to be a chef, so therefore there's no place for me in the food industry. And I worked in news. I worked for the Nightly News with Brian Williams, which I'm still proud to say. Yeah, and definitely. I, yeah, and I, um, I was a reporter for New York One, and um, you know, while doing local news, I started to have this feeling of like, this just is not for me. Like, I'm not going to be covering like car crashes and fires for the rest of my life. Like, this is really terrible. And I took a year off and worked on a documentary in India and kind of cleared my head and thought about, okay, like, what are the things I love? What are the skills that I have? You know, I, I can, you know, I was lucky enough at NBC at the time that I was there, they were really into training people in production because they were really shifting from this, you know, there's a reporter, there's a producer, there's a sound guy, and they were moving into this kind of one-man band or two-man band. You know, reporters can shoot, the producers can shoot and edit their own stuff. So I got really lucky, and I was taught, I took classes at NBC, um, editing classes and shooting classes, which was um, really valuable to me and was really helped me get the job at New York One, where, of course, it's all one-man band. You're shooting everything. You're editing all of your own stories. So I learned a lot, but I didn't want to be doing news anymore. And um, I really wanted to figure out something in the food space. And I actually started by thinking that I would start my own uh, food company. And when I came back, it just it was so kismet because that the job at the Daily Meal opened up and the site had only been around for about a year. And for those who aren't familiar, the Daily Meal is a food and drink website um, that's headed by Coleman Andrews, which is great. And yeah, this job opened up. They wanted a video person. They tried to hire a person with a background in food and they couldn't find someone who could also shoot and edit and be on camera and do all of that. So, you know, Coleman said to me, well, you have no food experience. And I said, yeah, but you know, I, I love food and I read everything and I'm obsessed with cooking and I'm obsessed with, you know, food news and I, I can do this job. And, um, yeah, I think they gave it to me just because they didn't have anybody else. <laughs> no, but they're, 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 it's a terrific website and mm. that I, how long were you with them? How long? Cause you did, a, you did many amazing videos. Yeah. I loved working for them because I, I was doing 10 videos a week, just oh me <laughs> and the, the host, the shooter, the editor, producer setting up all my own shoots. It was like really a crash course. I remember I had my meeting on the first day and I was like, well, you know, when I was in New York one, I did a video every day and they were like, okay, well, we want you to do two. And I was like, Oh, okay. <laughs> like I thought it was super impressive that I had done one, but it was great because it allowed me to really jump in and meet people in the food industry and, um, you know, sort of really start understanding like who the players were and what was happening and what was going on. Because of course I had to set up 10 interviews a week. And so it was immensely valuable experience for me because I'd always wanted to be in food. And this was really my way to be in the food space without, being a chef or being one in one of those traditional roles that, um, you know, people think of when they think of food. Right. Behind the scenes. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So when you were for the videos you were doing, 
were you given assignments or were you coming up with the content yourself or was it a mix? No, I, you know, it was really great because they had never had, they hadn't had a video person before. And I think, um, you know, nobody there had really worked at a publication with video. So it was not only new to the site, it was really new to everybody who worked there, um, other than the founder of the Daily Mail, Jim Spanfeller, who came from Forbes, which has a lot of video content. So he really wanted it. But from the food side of it, the editorial side, nobody really knew anything. So I got to buy my own gear. Like, you know, I got to pick everything and just kind of go with it. And we'd have an editorial meeting once a week. I'd be like, these are the 10 things I'm doing. And be like, great. And sometimes, you know, Coleman would get pitched stuff and he would pass it on to me and say, if you're interested. But I had a ton of leeway and freedom, which was just so cool, especially after coming from super corporate environments like NBC and New York One. I mean, to have that freedom to just kind of jump in was really, really cool for me. Yeah. I mean, it's a start. you know, it's mm-hmm. a startup world. I mean, you know, a lot of the startup sites, it's like, right, take your section and run. And so it was great. Yeah. Well, I think it's, I'm thinking editorially when they give, I, I don't know, the writers have to have to get out many stories a day. So they push a lot of content. Yeah. So to the video to me, I mean, we were talking a little about this before the show that about editing, like I don't know yet <laughs> how to edit. So in the process of making a video, uh, how much time does it take to, to edit and when, you know, to put together one segment when you were doing it, especially for the Daily Meal. Right. I mean, it depends on the complexity of the segment. Um, you know, one of the, of course, one of the issues of doing 10 videos a week is that you have to do a lot of very simple content because, of course, you don't have time to edit um, more complex videos. So, you know, a lot of what I was doing is standing in front of a green screen talking to somebody about their new book or their restaurant or tips for travel. Um, and those types of things can take, you know, only an hour or two to edit because you're just interviewing someone for 10 minutes, cutting it down to five minutes. You put a screen in the background and that's kind of it. So that takes very little time. On the other hand, if I would do, you know, I had a series that I was so grateful that they let me do called at the chef's table where we would interview amazing, incredible chefs like Thomas Keller and Wolfgang Puck and Sean George von Richten, I mean, Rene Redzepi, you know, I, I, and it would be a five-part series on their career. So it would be myself and the chef, and we would talk about their childhood and then their first job and, and it would get edited into five parts, and I would follow them in the kitchen. And, I mean, those videos took quite a long time <laughs> to edit. So it was a balance. It was me being able to do stuff I was excited about while also – you know, the reality of the industry now is it's it's all about content. So it was, you know, filling my quota while also doing stuff I was passionate about. Yeah, I'm listening to you and thinking, wow, a dream job. Yeah. Got to <laughs> hang out with all those chefs. <laughs> it, it wasn't terrible. <laughs> Doesn't sound like it was. No. So, so then you decided to go on your own. So mm-hmm. when did you start Potluck Video? So I started Potluck Video in... Um, July of 2013, because I, I, I sort of felt like I, you know, I, I'd been able to build up a lot of relationships and I, I love what I was doing at the Daily Meal, but I think it came down to, you know, the amount of time I was able to spend on stuff that I loved versus filling the quota kind of, um, you know, it just reached that point for me and I loved them and I appreciated everything that they had done for me because I obviously nobody else would have given me a chance to start in food. So, I, you know, it was kind of a bittersweet decision, obviously, but um, I I just kind of felt like there's a huge demand for video content. I didn't own any of my content. I was the face 
of the Daily Meals video content, and yet I didn't own any of mm-hmm. it. I didn't own, you know, I made 900 videos for them. Oh my god! Yeah, and I don't, I don't own any of them, and and you know, to this day, people, you know, I get emails from people with like, oh, I see you're back on the Daily Mail. I just saw a video of you, and I'm like, oh no, I, they're just replaying an old video. So I started to feel like, you know what, I'd like to have some ownership over my own face. Um, so nothing, you know, it was not, nothing against them. It was mm-hmm. more just. Um, you know, I always got offers from people to do content. I always had people saying, oh, do you have time to freelance and do stuff for us? And, you know, I didn't have time. So I started to say, you know what? I bet if I took this little leap, I could make it work. And own your own face. Yeah, and own my face. <laughs> <laughs> have some control over my face. Yeah. <laughs> so what's it been like being on your own? Oh, my God. I love it. I, I, didn't, I didn't know how much I would love it because I never wanted to be my own boss. I was, I'm a person who always was like, I love going to work. I love getting an assignment. I love, you know, putting my head down. I don't want to think about the money. I don't want to think about the business side. Like, I don't care about any of that stuff. I just want to create content and tell stories. You know, that's that to me is the biggest thing. Like, I want to tell a story and I don't care about how the site makes money or how the company makes money. <laughs> so I kind of was, that was the piece where I was like, am I going to do this? And I got really lucky um, there was another person who I'd actually worked with at the Daily Meal who I, you know, kind of convinced to come with me, Erin Frankel, who does all of my business development and sales. And she runs the business side and is great at it because she loves talking to people and going out and, you know, meeting new people and talking to them and pumping us up and telling how great we are, which I really hate. You know, like I'm really bad at that, about being like, we're awesome. Like, I'm like, oh, we're fine. No, I know Erin so, and she is, she is very good at that. She's mm-hmm. a powerhouse. And so she was like, I'm super excited to do this. I'll take it. And, um, I just got so lucky because I was able to say, all right, I'm going to do the content. You do, you know, all the business stuff, help us, you know, find new partners, help us do sponsored content. And she owns that completely. Like I know, I don't get involved. I mean, I get involved when I have to, you know, make a sponsored video, obviously. Um, but yeah, so it, I've, I've really loved working for myself because I was able to find the right partner, which has been super valuable to me. Yeah, well, I want to hear more about this working for yourself and what the types of videos you're doing, but we're going to take a little break. Perfect. So stay with us. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. Today's program was brought to you by VisitNapaValley.com. Welcome to the Napa Valley, North America's legendary wine and food capital, where the art of living well is defined, and each season holds a story waiting to be discovered. Life feels slower here, lived at a place where tables are set with care. Fine wine and food are created from the bounty of our own vineyards and gardens, and relationships with friends and family gathered around the table are somehow sweeter. When planning a trip to the Napa Valley, we invite you to visit the destination's official visitor website, visitnapavalley.com, or stop by Napa County's official visitor information center, located in downtown Napa, where our friendly and knowledgeable community ambassadors can assist you in creating your own legendary Napa Valley experiences. The Visitor Information Center is located at 600 Main Street, Napa, and is open from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., seven days a week, 360 days a year. Your invitation to experience the Napa Valley beckons. Take a deep breath, lose yourself in our quiet green and golden hills, renew your body and spirit, taste our legendary wines and cuisine, 
and experience the people who make this valley like no other in the world. For more information, go to visitnapavalley.com. Welcome back to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sherry Bayer. My guest today is Allie Rosen of Potluck Video. So let's talk more about Potluck Video. What type of videos are you doing? Because I know there's a few different like, formats and, and styles. Yeah, our rule, I mean, the rule that I kind of wanted to create when we started is that Potluck Video is all informational food and drink and travel content. You know, we don't review anything. We don't have commentary. Um, it's really, we want everyone to watch a video and learn something. So that comes in a lot of different formats. You know, we do interviews with chefs. We do interviews about cookbooks. We do recipe demos. We do travel videos, um, travel related to food and drink. And it can come in a lot of forms because I think there's so many different ways to tell a story. And I never wanted to, you know, box myself into one way. But the the general theme is always you're going to learn something and you're going to learn it in a positive, fun, upbeat and not positive and fun in the way that means it's surface or not intellectual or you're not going to learn a lot. But, um, I, you know, there's a lot of snark. There's a lot of, you know, people trying to be really cool and like, I'm not cool. I don't mind that. You're so, cool. <laughs> but I mean, you know, I think there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of video content that I really admire, but it's, you know, it's music and it's text and, you know, you're, it's hard to actually come away from that with a new skill or a new piece of information sometimes. And that for me was the niche that I saw for us is that, okay, there's a lot of people doing, um, you know, these types of artistic videos about food and drink. And there's a lot of people doing the super basic, um, cooking demos in their own homes, but there mm -hmm. aren't a lot of videos, um, with people in the industry that are straightforward and fun and in their restaurants, not in a test kitchen, um, you know, every video is out in the field. You know, we don't have a studio. We don't want a studio. We want to really be where people are from and comfortable. So that's kind of how we decided our structure and what we would look like. So who are some chefs that you've recently gone to the restaurant and done a video with? Or oh, my goodness. So many. I mean, today, you know, we were, we were not at a restaurant. We were shooting at... Um, ice the culinary school um you know yesterday i was at food and wine shooting with dana cowan about her new book which is great you know last week i was in miami with you um yes. and that was really fun and interviewing chefs you know everybody from rachel ray to jeffrey zakarian to chrissy Teigen, not a chef but apparently a lover of food and um and then i was in you know hawaii on vacation and even when i go on vacation you know i did a video on um hearts of palm farm you know, which my poor husband, when we go on vacation, there's always some story to be told. But yeah, so it can be, you know, it's anyone from famous chefs you see on Food Network to a farmer in Hawaii who is supplying the hearts of palm to per se. And you have no idea who this person is. Right. So that's it's runs the gamut. Just like me. Can't, runs your show. The same as your show. Yeah. Can't can't separate work and, and pleasure because nope. I was in Hawaii and ended up writing about it. Right. But <laughs> Solo in Hawaii, if yeah. If you love it, I mean, if you love what you do, then why not? I mean, mm -hmm. it's really, you know, last summer I took a trip to Italy because I had interviewed Massimo Batura a few times, who's the chef at Osteria Francescana, which is ranked third best restaurant in the world on the world's 50 best list. And every time I saw him, he said, when are you coming to Modena? You know, when are you coming to Modena? And finally I was like, 
I'm coming. And so it was a bit, you know, people said, are you going on vacation? Are you going on a work trip? I said, I'm going on a wonderful journey to Italy where I'm going to interview a chef and then I'm going to also travel and I'm going to eat and I'm going to learn about Parmesan cheese and balsamic vinegar and Lambrusco because they're all made in this one place. And so I don't separate work from vacation because I would much rather get an inside tour of a Hearts of Palm farm as like a fun vacation activity. (laughs) You don't have to justify explain it to me. I'm on the exact same page. We should go on a trip together. (laughs) We should. I mean, we'll both both, uh, get some work done and have a good time. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I, so I, I love, well, all your videos I think are, are really well done. But the one you do, the five questions, you seem to get really impressive people like Martha Stewart. Yeah. And I mean, what's it, what was that like? Is it nerve wracking when you're interviewing someone uh, like a Martha? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that series came out, I mean, basically for those who have not watched, it's a series where we ask five questions to a chef and it has sort of fun music and it's really and and the questions are super random and they're meant to be funny it's meant to be a fun light segment um sometimes we ask serious questions but it's you know it's that segment came out of it's funny because it came out of a need for i you know sometimes you get pitched somebody great like a martha stewart and um you know they're they're saying to you you can do martha stewart but it has to be about her book or it has to be about this tv show or you know, this person, you know, Tim Gunn sponsored by Nespresso. And um, of course, I don't want to do a video about what Tim Gunn thinks about Nespresso. um, (laughs) But I do, you know, want to hear what people have to say on a certain topic. And so it it sort of came from necessity of like, I really want to interview these people. And I don't want it to be about the thing that they want it to be about. So I try to find a fun question around that thing. So, you know, for Tim Gunn, it would be, you know, what's, what's the coffee, what's the elaborate coffee you make at home? And then fine, he can plug Nespresso. Great. But you're still getting Mm -hmm. an interesting question out of them. Um, it can be super nerve wracking. I mean, meeting Martha, you know, I I didn't grow up watching Martha Stewart. I, this is going to sound horrible, but I'm actually not a big, big food TV person, (laughs) which, um, is food crazy. video person though. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but I don't watch a lot of food right. television. Um, I did grow up, you know, I, I mean, I, I like the sort of old, like the Jacques Pepin, Julia Child kind of stuff, but um, I, I'm more, I was more of a cookbook. Like I, I, I've collected cookbooks for a really long time and my grandmother collected cookbooks and I have all of hers, which is cool. But, you know, Martha's such a, like, she's an icon. She's not even, it, it's like meeting somebody who doesn't seem like a real person and then suddenly they're standing in front of you and, you know, of course she's very particular. So then you, it's like, you want to get it perfectly. And so you get nervous. I mean, I, I really get nervous only, um, more when people are cold or in a rush or, um, you know, I did a video once with Alain Ducasse who is so incredible, but you know, he was late, he was rushed, he was really stern and okay. You know, the camera needs to be on this side because that's the side that I prefer. And listen, he's a chef of a caliber where he can certainly demand whatever he wants. I mean, of course I'm going to do whatever he wants, but that stuff makes me nervous because I find that for me, the thing that I believe at least that I am good at is getting people to enjoy themselves and maybe asking them questions that aren't the same questions they've heard over and over again. And so when I suddenly feel like, oh my goodness, I can't do that, or I'm, I'm failing at the thing that I'm supposed to be good at, that's, that's when I get nervous and people that I really admire. I mean, goodness, you know, 
you just meet some chefs and you love their restaurants so much and they may not even be famous, you know, like they may not be a well-known name, but that to me, it's like, I kind of geek out. I'm like, Oh my God, I loved your cookbook. You know, it's like, then you're like, well, they think I'm a dork. It's great. No, I get it. I, I absolutely get it. And actually your Elan Ducasse mention is a perfect segue into my question for my guest who was on last, I wasn't here last week, but the week before, mm. um, Didier Elena, who's the executive chef, culinary director at the Chef's Club, he worked for Ducasse mm-hmm. for a very long time, over 20 years. At Adore Aline Ducasse. And at Essex House. Right? Every, all all yeah. around the world, actually. I mean, he was with him from the time he was, I think he started when he was like 17 years old. Yeah, it's amazing. I interviewed him a few years ago when he was at Adore, and he's like the nicest person. He is awesome so, show so nice. <laughs> yeah. So nice. Great, great person, great chef. Okay, so his question for you, because I asked him to ask you one, was where was the last place you traveled to? So we know this is South Beach. South Beach, yeah. I, I'm going to, since since we already answered this, I yeah. will say the next place I'm traveling to is I'm going back to India, which I haven't been back since I lived there. So I'm going in mid-March. I'm super excited. That's amazing. And I was I was going to ask a little more about that. So you lived in India for a whole year? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I lived in Mumbai. And I worked on a this is totally unrelated to anything else I've done in my career, but I worked on a I worked on a documentary about domestic violence prevention in one of the slums, actually like the slum that was in Slumdog Millionaire. So, um, you know, Darby, shout out to Darby. Um, but yeah, that wow. yeah, it was totally unrelated to anything else that I've done, but it taught me a lot of patience and a lot of appreciation <laughs> for my life. So. Yeah, and also that Indian food is the most underrated cuisine in the entire world. People don't give it enough credit for being as sophisticated as it is. I love it. I think it's so flavorful, but I think a lot of people are so afraid of it or they think they don't like it. Yeah. I mean, I lived in India for an entire year and didn't get sick once. That's always people's fear. Like, Mm -hmm. how do you live there? Weren't you sick every day? And I'm like, no. My husband got sick once, and I didn't believe him that he was sick, so he'll never let me live that down. But, yeah, I mean, India is – if you love food, I I can't think of a better place to visit than India because the culinary scene is so much richer than what we see here. It's like going to Italy and realizing, like, wow, there's so many subgenres of this cuisine or France or anywhere in Europe. But in India, it's just so unknown to American audiences. You know, if you go to the south, you go to Kerala – it, you wouldn't even recognize it as Indian food. I mean, but it's unbelievable. It's Yeah, it should get more credit. Okay. Well, we're giving it cre- more credit here. So that's good. <laughs> more credit to Indian food. <laughs> Let me ask you about this partnership you have with NYC TV Channel 25, because mm-hmm. that's awesome. Yeah. When did that start, and how often do your shows air? Yeah, so NYC Life is a great channel that is run by the city so it's all new york city content it's all uh, every night is something different so they have you know shows on the arts they have shows on the history of new york and thursday night is their food night so our show airs at nine o'clock on thursdays new season starting march 5th which is very exciting make note and yeah and the first episode has anthony bourdain so it's super exciting and um yeah you know the partnership it, it was so interesting because there's some people that I meet with a hundred times and it doesn't turn into anything. And NYC Life, I, I loved them. We met, we had one meeting. They were like, we love your content. Can you make it into a half hour show? 
And so the show really evolved from, okay, make, you know, the show is kind of, it would remind you of a nightly news show, you know, where you have an anchor, you know, a, a person introducing each segment and then it's five segments, all different. So the show, it's not like this show is themed Indian food, right? Each episode has a, a variety in it and it's five segments and it's the same, it's the same content as mm -hmm. online, but packaged differently. And yeah, I made them a pilot and they liked it. And actually that pilot is now nominated for a local Emmy, which we're so excited about. Yeah. I saw that you posted yeah. that. So actually, exciting. I saw it right before my last show and I said something about it. Um, in the show with, with Didier, which yeah. is, congratulations, that's Thank amazing. You. Yeah, it, it's a huge, I mean, it, it's just been so great because they're so amazing to work with. They love, they're not looking for reality shows. They're not looking for crazy content. They're looking for educational, informational, interesting, and fun content because their goal as part of the city is really just to teach people about the city. So I've just really loved working with them. And we do, um, you know, 11 episodes that air in a row and then they re-air them and then we do a new season. So, I mean, we're starting our fourth season. It's not, it's not as, you know, the traditional season of being an entire year. But, yeah, it's, it's been really fabulous because they're an amazing station and they have such great food content. Generally, um, you know, Food Curated is a show that I love. I mean, Liza D is so talented. And we did a show with her here. Yeah. She's amazing. I mean, she's incredible and tells stories like nobody else. And um, there's a show called Frankie Cooks that, you know, also, you know, won the Emmy last year in our category and is nominated again. So I'm ready to lose to him and, you know, clap really politely when oh. he wins. No, and maybe we need a new winner <laughs> this year. No, I think he's, he's going to beat me, but I would be really proud for him to beat me because his show's amazing and yeah, they just have really great content that I'm really proud. I'm really proud to be part of their lineup, you know, because they do great stuff and they have great viewers. And, I, you know, I'm constantly surprised at people stopping me and saying, oh, I watch a show on MYC Life. And that it's so gratifying to be a part of the city fabric because, you know, our content online is really meant to be for a general audience of people anywhere. And, you know, we give it a little bit of a New York spin on the television show. So, it's just really fun to have another format to work in for people to see. And there's such a pleasure to work with. And yeah, being on a channel with great content. I mean, I feel the same way when I contribute to sites. Um, I felt that way, you know, food arts may it rest in peace. I did a lot of content for them and I was just so proud to be on that site, you know, like, Oh my God, so many writers, you know, so many of my favorite writers write for them. And that's how I feel about NYC life. You know, they Thursday night, like if you tune in on Thursday night, and watch any of their food programming, like you will leave a happy and hungry person. <laughs> yes, I have to say, I did an internship at Food Arts and I felt the exact same way. Yeah. And I feel that way about Heritage Radio Network. Right. I yeah. do, because all of the programs are amazing and it's just being in good company with good people. Right. So. You're like, oh, yeah, I'm with, yeah. I'm with these guys. Like, I'm, no, like I'm with them. You know, it feels really good. Yeah, <laughs> when, no, when it does. Like it. I'm proud to be a part of this network. Yeah. So. Well, mm. terrific. Okay, we're going to take another break here and come back. We're going to do my speed round game and then talk some industry news. So Wonderful. stay with us. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network.
We're back. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sherry Bayer. My guest today is Allie Rosen, and it's time for my speed round game. Fun. Fun. So what I, what this is is I just name two things, and you pick your preference. Okay. I'm scared. Uh, I'm ready. No, no need to be scared. <laughs> You're a pro. Okay, here we go. Eat in or eat out? Oh, eat out. No w- contest. Wine, beer, or cocktail? Wine. Or cocktail or beer. <laughs> Probably wine if I, ha- if I had to. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that was like an order of preference. You yeah. take any of them. <laughs> yeah. I will have them all, please. <laughs> Tasting menu or a la carte? Tasting menu. I like to be surprised. And I like trying new things. So if yeah. you order a la carte, you would tend to order the same things that you know you like. So I love a tasting menu. Very good. Small plates or large plates? Small. Taste more. Tipping or all-inclusive charge? Ooh, you know, I have a lot of feelings on the tipping issue, but I would say tipping just because I like, I like to be able to support people and show them how much I loved the service. So, But I'm also one of those people who have bad service. I'm like, I'm going to tip you 18% to show you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so I guess tipping, but... We'll talk more about tipping yeah. in a second because right, I have an right, article about right, that. Right, right, right. Big, big, tipping. big stuff keeps happening in the tipping world. Yeah. Okay, a few more. Let's see. Communal table or chef's counter? Chef's counter. I hate communal tables. Interviewing or editing? Oh, interviewing. Editing is boring. <laughs> I think Liza said the same thing. Yeah. Editing's tedious. <laughs> live TV or, t- or having a taped episode? Oh, taped. Every time I've done live, like cooking demos and stuff, I, 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 I admire you for the live because I like taped. <laughs> you just gotta do it and yeah just roll with it roll with it exactly um but i don't have a camera on me so fair it's enough. a little less pressure fair enough true cheese plate or dessert a oh, cheese plate i had a cheesecake at my wedding it was literally wheels of cheese stacked ah. on top of each other looking like a cake so i gotta go with cheese plate okay last one manhattan or brooklyn don't do this to me at Roberta. I mean, I live in Manhattan, so I am in Manhattan. I know. No but one, downtown No one Manhattan. likes that one. Yeah. <laughs> well, you feel like such a traitor. You're sitting in Roberta's. You're like, I mean, I love them both. I love them both equally. I live, like, right off of the L train in Manhattan, so I feel that I am Brooklyn adjacent. Okay. It's yeah. easy to get here. Yeah, exactly. Great. Okay, industry news. So, so let's first talk about this article. came out yesterday in Grub Street. New York raises minimum wage for tipped workers to seven fifty. It's by Sierra Tishgard, and this has been something that keeps getting talked about the the tipping. But this is a big thing for New York. They're saying by the end of the year, they're going to raise it. Uh, it's they're raising it two dollars and fifty cents. Uh, so I think it's I think small you know small restaurants. There's a concern uh, to be able to pay this uh, yeah. for the employees and it's looking people are predicting that restaurants are going to uh, either have to raise their prices or go to a a service fee and and not have do the tipping any yeah thoughts? it's it's actually really interesting because I just did a video I, I do this series called restaurant roundtable where I have a bunch of chefs and ask them a question and we talked about tipping, and it was amazing how everybody who was there, and I mean, it's usually a chef, a sommelier, and a restaurateur, and they all were super for tips because, of course, then they, it doesn't have to come out of their pocket. So I feel for that. On the other hand, as someone who has 
been a waitress, you know, in college and tried to live on tips. It's a really stressful way to live. So, you know, as much as I want to support, um, you know, chefs and restaurant owners and people that I, you know, deal with on a day to day basis, I just, it's such a hard job. I mean, being in the service industry, you know, being a service professional is among the hardest jobs and the, you know, you take the front end brunt of everything. So, I don't know. I mean, they should be paid properly. And so, you know, we have to remember that most restaurants in New York are not expensive. You know, it's not the, you know, you're not making a hundred grand a year at an amazing, you know, four star restaurant. You are, you know, probably somebody in a diner or in a inexpensive place and you're not making very much. So I'm for it. Yeah, I know. It's true because I keep thinking about the servers in these restaurants that do very well. Mm-hmm. Because they're expensive restaurants and they make a very good living. But at restaurants that are less expensive and they're not getting, you know, a, a good tip or, you know, I think it's it's hard to make it in New York City and pay your rent and to, you know. So it's looking out for the workers. I, I think it's, I don't know, I kind of, I have, I have mixed feelings on this too. And yeah. I I think what's interesting is, so I'm at episode 54. I think if I went back, I always ask every guest that tipping question in the speed round. And I think 90% said tipping hmm. as, I mean, that was, it was always everyone said tipping versus the all inclusive. Um, I'm wondering though, if, as I keep going with this series, if that answer is going to change. Well, I think it's just, it's hard because first of all, if you've never been a waiter, you don't have an understanding of what that's like but also I think it's hard because if you've done it I I never found that my salary was in any way related to how well I did you know I would work really hard one day and someone would tip 10% and you go home and cry about it and then really it's just that that person that's what they do every time you know when I go out to eat I always tip 20% and if I really loved it I tip 25% but that person doesn't know that I'm tipping 20% because they did a good job or not, or, you know, it's not, I I just don't believe, and I might be wrong about this, but I don't believe it's that correlated to how well you do at your job, which is supposed to be the point, right? The point is supposed to be that it incentivizes people to work harder. And I'm sure for some people it does, but most of the time it just, it's how many tables you have. It's whether they order drinks, it's whether you're working a lunch shift or a dinner shift, you're going to make a lot more money at dinner, you're going to make a lot more money if you work at a more expensive restaurant. Those things affect your salary more than um, percentages and incentives. So I don't know. But, you know, you don't want restaurants to go under. I mean, you look at so many restaurants closing now because they can't make it. I mean, they just can't make it because the rents are too high and, you know, food costs are high and labor is high. So you don't you also don't want to lose all your restaurants. So Right. Well, there was an article that Tom Colicchio had predicted 10 years from now we're not going to know what a tip was like tips are going to be gone <laughs> and so. we'll see if that happens. But that, that will lead me into the next article I had. It was on Tom. It was in variety and Tom Colicchio joins MSNBC as food correspondent. And I saw this news. It came out about a week ago. And I think most people know Tom Colicchio's of the craft Colicchio and Sons restaurant group. Very successful. He's also very well known as Bravo's, Top Chef Judge, and he also has a new show, Best New Restaurant. But this is a new position they're creating at MSNBC where he's really going to talk more about political and social issues with food. 
and I think it's really cool. Yeah, I do too. <laughs> I'm glad that you said that because I was like, I hope she thinks it's cool. I do. I, I was, cool. I was very excited. I don't know. I think, like when I see the new the news about an, another cooking competition reality show, I'm kind <laughs> of like, okay, yeah, great, yeah. But this, I was like, yeah, I thought I think it's very cool. Well, he also, I think a lot of people see him on Top Chef, and if you haven't, I mean, the documentary A Place at the Table is one of my favorite food films. It's just stunningly real and visceral and really which he well produced. done, which he produced. And, um, you know, he did TED Talks and he's talked, I mean, he is a huge advocate for um, changing food policy, specifically the Farm Bill. And he's been, he's just really articulate on food politics in a way that I'm not sure everybody knows. So people might look at it and be like, ah, oh, another celebrity chef getting another thing. But I, I actually think he's been one of the most incredible advocates for reforming our food system. So I'm really excited to see him get another platform to do that because he's one of the few chefs who's not few chefs, but he is a chef who has taken his celebrity and done something really cool with it. So I think it's cool. I'm glad you do too. <laughs> I do too. And I agree. And I think he's, he's very articulate and it's said in this article, he's going to have so he's going to have his own weekly series called Stirring the Pot. And then he's also going to do a segment called Everyone Eats, where he features and interviews some celebrities and p- politicians and talks about what everyone eats, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. And he's also going to do some, uh, you know, guest appearances on some of the other shows like Morning Joe. We'll have, I have a feeling it's going to be huge, and then we're going to see other networks copying this. And All right. Who will be the next food correspondent? <laughs> I'm, I, I really do. I think this is just the beginning. I think culinary and food has gotten so big, and it's just going to keep getting bigger. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, I think it's also interesting because other channels, you know, CNN, I mean, before Kat Kinsman left, I always felt like she was such a great voice on CNN. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it's really important to cover food issues because people are interested in it. It affects so much of our lives, even if you're not a person who, you know, dives deeper into food issues. It's really, it's great that they're taking it that seriously. Yes. Okay. So we agree. It's a cool thing. <laughs> great. We agree. <laughs> the end. Okay. So we're going to take one more break, come back and do my solo dining experience. This is all in the industry on Heritage Radio Network. back to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer. It's time for my solo dining experience of the week. Now, this week, I'm talking about solo dining at Sobe Food and Wine Festival. So here's the rundown. The location, Miami Beach, Florida. The concept, food and wine-centric festival featuring several massive walk-around tastings. The chefs and owners, or owner, or he's the founder, actually, 
<laughs> okay. Multi-talented chefs from around the world, founded by Lee Schrager, who came on my show last year to talk about his fried chicken book. My experience? I was a media representative for Heritage Radio Network, which I was very excited about. So I had a media pass, and I attended many of the signature tasting events, including Alfresco Feast, Burger Bash, Best of the Best, Metopia, and the Best of the Munchies. What did I get? Lots of delicious bites. Some of my favorite dishes were Barantini with Spicy Coppola and Caponata by Ralph Scarmadella of Lavo in New York City. Real Juicy Burger by Daniel Surfer of Blue Collar in Miami. Red Lentil Soup with Red Quinoa and Middle Eastern Spice by Anita Lowe of Anissa in NYC. Beef and Lamb Kebab by Alone Shia of Shia in New Orleans. Wood Grilled Hot Quail by Tyler Brown of the Hermitage House in Nashville. Charred Salmon by Harold Moore of Commerce in New York City. And Griddled Pimento Cheese by Lynn Hopkins of Holman and Finch in Atlanta. Nice mix of dishes there. My take? So many greats eat, great eats, so little time. The scene? Crowd, crowds of foodies, mostly Miami consumers and some industry folks. A festive ambiance, especially those events on the beach. There was live music and at some very long lines. Perfect for food and chef fanatics. Interesting tidbit? It was very windy and chilly for Miami on the first couple nights of these events, but that did not stop the crowds. Burger Bash was still the most popular event, selling out with approximately 3,000 people in attendance. Personal fun fact, since Miami is my hometown, I stayed with my amazing parents who live about a half hour from the beach. The cost? My media pass was a comp, but I'd say it's priceless. Would I go back? Yes, nothing wrong with some fun in the sun. And next year is the Fest's 15th anniversary. The website is SobeFest.com. So there, the final question time, Allie. All right. <laughs> and, uh, well, segue, do you, do you, did you have a favorite bite, do you remember, from the Fest? I was so happy that you said Anita Lowe's soup because I thought it was really, really fantastic. But I also, like, right around the corner from Anita's soup was Stephanie Izzard's or Izard, I've been pronouncing it incorrectly forever. Um, she has she's starting a new Chinese restaurant called um, Duck Duck Goat. I duck think. Duck Goat. And that sounds like that's yeah, right. Because she's like her stuff is goat. You know, she's mm-hmm. little goat and whatever. So yeah, she had a noodle dish that was. I was like, whoa, you can cook Chinese food. So that was great. I missed that because I got to, that was at the best of the best, and I got there mm-hmm. late, but I got Anita soup there. <laughs> I saw Stephanie. So good. Yeah. yeah, it was very creative. The oh way she goodness. did it. Anita's, I mean, I think Anita Lowe is one of the most talented chefs in the business. So anytime I see her at an event, I'm like, she's my first stop because <laughs> I know it's going to be delicious. Yeah. No, she's, she's terrific. Okay. So let's do the final question. So next week I'm having on Ben, Jeff Benjamin. He's the partner and chief operating officer of the Vetri family restaurants, which are in Philadelphia. Now he's releasing his first book called front of the house and it's coming out in March. So I want to see if you could ask him a question. I'm asking him a selfish question. When is the Vetri family of restaurants going to open in New York, please? I love your question. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I want to know because I I'm love a, them. I'm a fan of Vetri, and I think this book will, will, will be a great thing for the industry. Sounds, Absolutely. Sounds good. Mm-hmm. Okay, wonderful. That's it. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. It's been so much fun. 
Yeah, it has. So I have been talking to Allie Rosen. She's the host and producer of Potluck Video. Her website is potluckvideo.com. You can follow her at Allie underscore Rosen. You can follow me at Sherry Bayer, at Bayer PR, at All Industry, at Heritage underscore Radio. My Facebook page is All in the Industry, and my website's BayerPublicRelations.com. If you miss a live broadcast, you can always find us at HeritageRadioNetwork.org, on Stitcher and iTunes. And also, I don't know if you know this, but you can review my show on iTunes, and I would actually love for you to do that so I can get some feedback. Just go to iTunes and click on, there's a button uh, about writing a review. So please feel free to do that. Thank you for listening. Thanks to Jack and to Allie. And uh, I'll be back next Wednesday. I'm Sherry Bayer. You've been listening to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. Till then, bye. Thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us with questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening. 